quick note before we begin the show. Our producers want you to know that we recorded the collaboration between author Jason Reynolds and 12-year-old Earthen at the Brooklyn Public Library before the COVID pandemic changed the landscape of our lives and before anti-Black racism became a subject of national conversation. In fact, police violence and social justice are some of the topics that Jason and Earthen discussed during their meeting. You should know that part of that conversation appears on this episode. So, if you haven't already talked to your kids about this subject, they may have some questions for you after hearing this episode. We believe that storytelling is a powerful tool to open the doorway for difficult or uncomfortable conversations, and we hope that this episode will give you an opportunity to have some of those. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Story Seeds podcast. I am your host, Betsy Bird. And this is our final episode of our first season, and it's a special one. Story Seeds is a place where imagination rules. On each episode, we match one creative superstar and their story idea with a real-life author. Then we sit back and see the magic that unfolds as they connect and collaborate to grow that story seed into a story. Today, we're heading to Brooklyn, New York City to meet a boy who marches to the beat of his own drum. My name is Earthen Ridori. We first met Earthen at a Story Seeds workshop last summer at the Brooklyn Public Library. He was brimming with ideas that went well beyond the page. He draws really well and is very interested in animation and loves to make music. One of my favorite things to do is make music. I plug my drums and keyboard into my phone, and I play and record it back with GarageBand. Then I use an app called Canva to make the album art. Then I upload it all to YouTube and SoundCloud. Music is in Earthen's bones. It's the way he most expresses his creativity. But more on that later. First, he has a story seed to share. I want a story about a pet worm that becomes human at the stroke of midnight. Kind of like werewolves, but the opposite. Why a worm? Barely anybody talks about worms. I think a worm would be interesting and would put them on an equal status with all the other bugs. What stuck out to us the most about Earthen's story seed was him wanting to bring light to something that might be overlooked. And he's right, worms are everywhere. They are considered to be the hardest working critters. Humans depend on them to fertilize soil, which then helps us with our food. 
but we don't really care about them day to day. They often get trampled on. We sat with Earthen's story seed for a minute and really thought about the author to match him with. What we wanted was to find someone who empowers overlooked voices, someone who can tell stories for those who don't usually grab the mic. My name is Jason Reynolds, and I'm a writer and storyteller. Jason Reynolds is not just a writer and a storyteller. He is the national ambassador for young people's literature. This is an honor given by the U.S. Library of Congress, and during his term, Jason has vowed to use his position to amplify young people and their stories. While in quarantine, he started a Write, Write, Write video series where he encourages kids to be their most authentic selves. Jason is also the author of heaps of award-winning books, many of which give voice to the experiences of Black kids in America today. Have you read Ghost? It's the only 21st century book for kids to show up on PBS's Great American Read list. It's part of the track series, and it's a bit funny and a bit serious and 100% thoroughly gripping. His latest is Stamped, Racism, Anti-Racism, and You, which is a remix of a book by Dr. Ibram X. Kendi, a professor at the American University in Washington, D.C. The book is actually the definitive history of race in America written for young people. It's a new way to think about history by creating a space and a book that is actually in conversation with the reader so that young folks have a framework around the issues of race so that as they grow older, they no longer have to fear the discomfort of the conversation and can actually begin to make a change. When we asked Jason if he would come to New York to be a part of Story Seeds, we weren't sure he'd be able to, given how much he has going on. But he didn't hesitate. And in fact, he gladly agreed. It was important to him to listen to Earthen, hear his ideas, and help him tell his story. So we set up their meeting last December on a wet and snowy evening right before Christmas. Jason had just gotten off the train from Washington, D.C., where he currently lives, and Earthen had just gotten off of school. They met at the main branch of the Brooklyn Public Library, the same one I mentioned earlier. They both have spent a lot of time there. Earthen used to go there after school, and Jason visited the library a lot when he lived in Brooklyn himself. They sat down in the story time room in the library's youth wing, had some snacks, and got talking. Jason knew that Earthen likes to make music, so he asked Earthen to show him some of his stuff he has on YouTube. I still got more projects up in here, so. So you really, you really making stuff, huh? Yeah, I make it in my free time. How long have you been playing? Um, well, I've experienced drums since I was eight months old, but I started at least two, three. I can't even touch the pedals at the time. Um, so funny, watching you play, I, I have a little brother who's a musician, and he uh, started on drums when he was three years old. He wanted to be a rock star so bad. That was his whole thing. A lot more impressive, yeah. It's amazing. I mean, I can't do it. Sometimes I don't even know what I play. Yeah, well, I mean, that's music. Yeah. Right? This idea that, I mean, look, let, let's talk. I, so I have some questions. Because I, I, now that I'm watching you play, there's some things, right? Yeah. So, like, because I'm, I'm so intrigued, because I, I was a music kid growing up. Mm. I played the trumpet. I wasn't very good, but I played, and I played the guitar for years. And my father played, and my younger brother plays. He's like the actual musician. He plays several instruments and is in school and conservatory doing his thing. Why music? 
Like, what is it about this? Well, when I think of music, I think of like stories. But um, when I think of music, I think of what could a person could be thinking of. So if it's like jazz music, I think of like a writer, maybe a, an artist, and they're just drawing something for like an advertisement. But when I think of classical music, I think of like birds, like the world in general, mm. when they have those cameras just zooming in all over the world, and it's just looking so good, mm. sunset, and stuff like that. And when I think of like Christmas music, I think of Manhattan because Manhattan always has that Christmas vibe. It's mm. better than Brooklyn and everywhere else. <laughs> they yeah. always have that vibe with the Christmas trees on the on the glass. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then the windows can... and all of that. Mm. Let me ask you this. First of all, I have to tell you this. I when you were talking about like when you listen to classical, you think of the birds. When you listen to jazz, you think of you know all these different sort of the idea of story yeah. and music. My little brother used to tell me. He plays classical music, and he would bring out a sheet music because he also wrote it all. So he would say, "Look, Jay, I want you to understand it," because I would always be like, "I don't understand. I don't know what you like. I don't, I don't understand what any of this is. I know rap music. I know the blues. I know jazz. Right? I, I know gospel music. I don't know what this is." And he would say, "But you know storytelling," and I was like, "Yeah, I know how to tell stories." And he'd say, "Okay, well, imagine this part: the flute and the oboe are a man and a woman." He's like, "And imagine that this is where they meet." And then imagine this part being like the best part of their like love, right? and then this part being like where now the argument has started, and maybe they're going through like a breakup, right? And so now we have timpani drums, we have crash cymbals, we have exactly we have all of like orchestra, the, the yeah. orchestra, right? We have like the thunderous sound of the orchestra, yeah, all this stuff. And I never thought about it that way until my younger brother, who was much smarter than I am, explained it like that. It music is. Even music, just the instrumentation of music, is a story in and of itself, right?、Mm-hmm. Do you Usually, wanna- at this point in our show, most of our author and kid matches are already plotting out characters, motivations, or the settings of their story seeds. But Jason and Earthen took a different route down the collaboration road. Jason discovered they had a lot in common, so instead of hashing out the elements of Earthen's story seed. He spent time getting to know Earthen and listening to the story of his life, so that he could grow a story seed that reflects the things Earthen cares about most. Beautiful. Just, yeah. Who introduced you to all this?、Um, like, who is somebody in your family play? No, your neighborhood. It was, it was when I was super little. Like, my mom used to go to church. She sang in the choir, and then so when I was at church. The choir usually sits next to the musicians, and the choir like mutes in my head, and then all I'm just seeing, the first instrument, the drums, and I kept on listening, and listening,、mm. and then I saw the dr- like the drummer. She was very good,、mm-hmm. so I'm watching her, and then I'm like, after church, I'm like, duams, duams, duams. <laughs> next thing you know, my mom she puts me, and. I tried to hit the pedal. Pedal is like so. It's so heavy. So, when I turned older, I'm telling my mom, "Mom, can I play the drums? I want to play the drums." And then she's like, "Okay, we'll put you in music school." They bought me like little drums. One time, our church was missing a drummer, and they knew I played music, so I just hop on the set. 
after that, it just became like, it almost became, I was like famous in my church. Yeah. And I started playing on regular occasions. Now I play almost every Saturday. So now, I was like, mom, sign me up for a piano. Actually, no, I told my dad to sign me up for a piano. My mom agreed. So now, two lessons. Playing piano, playing drums. Now if the keyboardist is in here, I can fill in. Now, just recently this year, I was like, maybe I should start learning bass. Hmm. So my dad, he was like, just chillax with the instruments right now. You already too much of a prodigy in these two. Hmm. You're like, um, a, like a real music kid. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me what music makes you feel. Here's a better question. Let's say you're on an island, stranded island. Just mm-hmm. say you're stranded on an island with no instruments. How do you feel? That's my question. Mm. Well, first you and foremost. You can't play music. If I can't play music, I would just have to improvise and stay alive at the same time. Now, if I'm on a stranded island, I know there's a lot of sand. I can use most of that sand, but not a lot of that sand, to at least build a sturdy house. Mm-hmm. Now, sand, when I was playing Minecraft, what they have is like, they have like a jukebox. Mm-hmm. And then if you put sand under the jukebox, it's gonna give you that snare, but it's gonna like tune up a pitch. And huh. then, when you put glass under a jukebox, it gives you that like, and then to get more of that punch out of the kick drum, I put a stone. So basically what you're telling me is, if you were on a stranded island with no instruments, you would, with no music, you would figure out how to make music. Yep. I don't need a drum to make it sound like a drum. It's true. I mean, I could have resources from a drum, but I don't need the whole entire drum. There's yeah. this guy named R. David R. He made like a, a drum set out of boxes. Made it sound like a drum set. Yeah. And then he put mics on everything and just sounded so good. There's a guy, Jack White, he's a guitar player, and he made a guitar out of a box, a box oh, and one see. string, and uses a, a bottleneck to play it, and it's beautiful. I'm really good on you, man, I'm proud of you. Like, it's cool that you're doing all this. You know what, you, you've inspired me, you make me feel like I <laughs> should've kept playing music, you know, but it's good, I'm, I'm never gonna play again, yeah. I don't think. Uh, but I'm happy to know that you exist and that you're playing and you're taking it seriously and you understand that it is a world-changing thing that we can make. Like, music has so much power. Something happens to human beings when they are around or when they play or hear or sing or dance. You know, we, it makes us cry, it makes us laugh, it can do everything. And so I'm just so grateful to know that you are playing it and that you're thinking about it that way. What's your greatest fear? What are you most afraid of? Well, most of the time I think I'm like afraid that I'm never gonna be where I want to be. And then the other half of that is my fear of thinking what the world could be because right now we're living in a society where a lot of crime is happening. Like families being torn apart, more hate crimes, civil rights. Now, when I think of like civil rights, I think of music. Do you think music, so you said that when you think of the civil rights era, you think of music. So my question is, you say one of your biggest fears is the idea of all the violence and all the things that are going on. Do you think music can solve it? Do you think music can help to cure some of it? 
well, I wouldn't say music. I just heard this 17 teenage boy. He was um, nice to police. Police were nice to him. His mom, she has a lot of police friends. A lot of people in her family were police. But then he got shot by a police officer who was just sworn in. And when I saw that, it made me feel like bad inside. So when I think about that, I think of how the mother could feel losing the son. But every time I think about all these teenagers and kids getting shot, I always think of how the family could feel, mm -hmm. how like people always sing at their funeral, mm -hmm. how music always helps the environment. You know, Bob Marley, there was this thing that they used to say about Bob Marley. They said that, that the music, if you listen to his music, the, the beats per minute doesn't really change much. Reggae music, before dancehall, reggae music, it sits at a very particular sort of like BPM, right? And they said that, and I don't know if it's true, but they used to say that the reason that he always kept it at that BPM and that all the reggae artists at that time in Jamaica kept it at that BPM is because that was supposed to be the BPM of a resting heart. Right, so the heartbeat when it's at its most peaceful space, when it's most calm, like that reggae groove, like that rhythm that reggae has, is supposed to be the exact same rhythm that your body is producing when it's at peace. And so it's almost impossible to feel aggressive and angry when you're listening to reggae music because it's directly connected to the thing, to, to who you are. It's soft and like... Yeah, it's who you are when, you're, when your body is at peace, right? When your mind is at peace. Um, and so I, I think it's interesting and it's something to, to think about, especially as we try to figure out this story. You love to make things that express you, right? But also that make other people happy. So those two things tie in hand in hand. So the question is, what are we going to write? What, else, what is our story going to be? When I think of a worm, worms are the least popular, but um, they help us with compost, a lot of stuff. They help us with um, food waste and stuff. Instead of having to throw an apple out, what you do is you put it in the compost bin and then they help break down that food. A worm could help us with anything that we wanted. In science right now, I'm learning about animal cells, plant cells. So that's why I paid attention to more of the worms than anything else. Now the worm, at nighttime, every time he turns into a person. And when, right, so at daybreak, you have to go back to being a worm? Mm-hmm. That yeah. is a bummer. Yeah. So if a worm can transform into a human, mm. why doesn't he just stay a human? Well, because, what had happened is, I haven't wrote the full story, but um, <laughs> what I was thinking is, the reason why he doesn't stay human is because probably he's like almost half werewolf. Like, you know how werewolf. you know how like a person feels like when they turn into a werewolf at full night moon? I reversed that, but I put the werewolf as a worm and keep the other person as a human. So it seems like a werewolf, but you're just a worm. But you're a worm. Part worm. And then you just transform to human every time. It's nighttime. At 12. So at when there's a full moon. Yep. Then so you transform the... from a worm to a human. So interesting. Because I've never heard like a worm talk. But if, so if But if I did, it would sound like this. Wham, wham, wham. That's amazing. Wham. I tend to agree but that's exactly what a worm would sound like. Yeah. 
because when I watch SpongeBob, the worms, they would act like dogs. That's only because the snails would act like cats. SpongeBob is probably the most brilliant cartoon I've ever seen. <laughs> I honestly think it's underrated. I, I really think it might be, it's masterful. I really believe that. SpongeBob <laughs> is like, almost like a role model to me when I think about it. So what have you learned from SpongeBob? Well, what I've learned <laughs> from so SpongeBob curious. is because SpongeBob is like a joyful person. He doesn't like everything his way. He likes to help the community. And then he doesn't even expect when the community helps him back. They never do. I love it. I want to tell you. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm going to write this worm story. Yeah. I'm also going to put music in it. But so. this worm will become a human at, I promise you, at midnight, this worm will become a human. And we'll go back to being a worm at daybreak. <laughs> and we'll say, womp, 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 womp. So all the things will be there. Sitting at a small table sharing tangerines and peanut butter and jelly pretzels, 12-year-old Earthen and 36-year-old Jason became buddies that afternoon. Talking about the ins and outs of Earthen's story seed was, as you heard, just the tip of the iceberg of what their collaboration was all about. Under the surface was a connection they made about family, their favorite drummers, and their shared experience as black men. I am really curious to see what Jason does with Earthen's story seed. More after the break. Hi, grown-ups. So many parents, librarians, and educators have been reaching out to us to share how much they value Story Seeds and asking how they can show us some love and support for what we're building here. Here are the top three ways you can help. One, tell three friends about the show right now. Text them, call them, send them a link. Two, write us a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Three, Log on to our website, www.storyseedspodcast.com, and click on the donate button at the top of the page. We've set it up so that in just a few seconds, you can make a contribution, large or small, one time or on a recurring basis, to support the production of our show. It's super simple to do, and your donation will help us create new episodes, more bonus content, like our Imagination Lab zines, and more opportunities for kids from around the country and the world to participate in future seasons of Story Seeds. Your support means the world to us. Thank you. Welcome back to the Story Seeds podcast. Jason went back home to Washington, D.C. and had some time to reflect over the holidays about all the things that he and Earthen had talked about. He left this message for Earthen just as he began writing. Hey, hey, Earthen. What's up, man? It's Jason. It's been a little while since we've spoken, um, but I just wanted to send you a quick message to say how happy I was to meet you, man. I've actually been thinking about you quite a bit just because you're such an extraordinary young person and such a, uh, a smart and funny and talented young man, and I was just so happy to meet you, and I'm so excited to work on this thing. I'm also really happy that you came with a bunch of ideas and you're, you're sort of... <laughs> your head sort of exploding with all the things you're interested in, which I happen to also be interested in. It's almost like you and I have known each other for a long time, like you're my little brother or something, which was cool. I'm going to talk about music with you and to talk about all your dreams and your goals and to talk about this sense of justice you have, which I think we also share. You know, I love music, but I also love fairness, right? And the fact that you said that for you, 
you really just have a hard time with people being unfair or people being mistreated. And hence why you, you chose something like a worm to use as your main character or to use as a character or a way to start the story because worms are, are never uh, paid attention to. They're always overlooked. And I felt like that in my own life when I was younger. And so I'm excited to start working. Just know that uh, I'm going to take only what you've told me for the most part because I think that you have given me so much information and you're so creative and you're so smart and you're so curious that I have more than enough to build this story using all of the elements that you brought up during that time that we had that conversation. There'll be more coming soon. I hope you're doing well. Hope school is good. Hope drums are good. Keep up the good work, man. I'll talk to you soon. Peace. A couple days later, we got an email from Jason with the story attached. And now, I am happy to share it with you. Without further ado, I ask you to take your seats, sit back, and consider this the world premiere of the story Jason Reynolds grew from Earthen Story Seed. Who and what? Who and What by Jason Reynolds and Earthen Ridore. The thing about a full moon is that its light can't be seen in a full city. Its glow can't compete with the billions of bulbs beaming in streetlights, headlights, and house lights below. The biggest bright thing made dim, made invisible, blocked by the bricks of buildings all lit up. Makes you wonder if maybe Times Square is a full moon to another planet. Makes you wonder if New York City is another planet altogether. The thing about a full moon is that even if no one can see it from the pavement, still there, hanging in the sky like a light in an attic. It's still there, changing the way the Hudson River pushes trash around in its waves. It's still there, knocking the world a little to the left. And, well, for Mr. What, maybe a little, a lot to the right. Mr. What had been waiting 28 days for this. 28 days of trying not to get killed. 28 days away from his home in Central Park, inching slowly down Park Avenue trying to avoid getting high-heeled or construction-booted or run over by a cab. Days and days of trying not to get stuck on a piece of spat-out gum or in the thick drippings of old bacon grease tossed in the alley of a diner. Or the worst, picked up and pulled apart by a curious child. Mr. What was an earthworm, and no one cares about earthworms but the dirt and the moon. The moon, an overlooked magical orb. No one knows why or how, not even Mr. What. All he knows is that a long time ago, a year into his life, which is all it takes for an earthworm to be an adult, Mr. What was climbing a park bench in the evening. The sun was setting and the park was falling into a hush under a purpling sky. It was the night of a full moon, and before Mr. Watt knew it, he changed. He'd somehow grown arms and legs and feet. What he'd known as his head had transformed from its smooth, tube-like structure to a strange and odd-shaped thing with holes and parts jutting out and rolling around. Two of this and two of that. Mr. What had grown a face, 
he'd become a person. Unfortunately, because he wasn't expecting it, he was a person naked on a park bench in Central Park. But fortunately, he was naked on a bench in Central Park, so no one really cared. People walked past him as if he wasn't there, just like they had when he was a worm. And after about 12 hours of staring at his fingers and toes and picking his nose and flicking his earlobes, it was back to worm life. The next time it happened, Mr. What was ready. He'd inched into a pile of clothes left out on the street after someone had been evicted. When the full moon came and the transformation happened, he'd become a man dressed in a dirty pair of jeans and a nitpick dress shirt. The time after that, he'd slimed his way into a Salvation Army truck and came out wearing bell-bottoms and a mustard-yellow wide-brim hat. But it was when he'd taken the journey downtown to Union Square that things changed forever. Mr. Watt had wiggled into a shopping cart full of clothes and newspapers and blankets of itchy drywall insulation just outside the subway station. What he didn't know as he changed from earthworm to man, is that he was in the shopping cart of Miss Who. So when he popped out like some kind of spring-loaded toy, Miss Who jumped up and whacked him with something metal. He didn't have a chance to see what it was or to block it, just a streak of gold and light swiping at his face, knocking him out of the cart and onto the sidewalk. People stepped over him, kept walking, A few spat, watch where you're going, out the sides of their mouths. Miss Who stood over Mr. What, holding the weapon. It was a trumpet. Who you, she asked. Mr. What didn't respond. Though he was a human once a month and could understand what she was saying, he'd never learned to talk. I said, who you, Miss Who repeated, raising the trumpet again. Mr. Watt put his hands up, shook his head hard and fast as if trying to shake it off. This was an instinct, something he just knew to do to prove he wasn't a threat. He wasn't there to make trouble. He was just there to live as something, someone people could see, at least for 12 hours. Miss Who lowered her horn. What, you ain't got a name? Mr. Watt shook his head, this time slower. No? Come on. Everybody got a name. Miss Who helped Mr. What to his feet. No shoes. Dirt caked under his temporary toenails. Well, everyone deserves one, so she looked him up and down. Guess I gotta give you one. Don't think this mean you can touch my stuff. You can't. Or eat what I got, or take any of the money I make. Understand? Mr. What nodded. To him, her demands were no big deal. He didn't need money or food. Miss Who sat back down on the blankets and coat she'd folded over a few times to make a cushion. She patted the ground next to her for Mr. What to sit. Okay, so from now on, your name is Mr. What, she said. Yeah, I like that. What? I'm Miss Who. Really, Josie Hooper, but don't nobody know me like that no more. Don't nobody know me at all, so who is better? Who and what? 
She nodded, then put the horn back to her mouth. Clap along if you feel it, she urged and began to play. The sound that came from the trumpet, a thunder that slipped smoothly into a whistle and back again, cut through the noise of the city. It could be heard over the honking horns and the yelling people, heard over the raucous of the trains rumbling underground, heard over it all. The sound of it seemed to wrap around who and what like a force field, and at the same time lift them above the madness and busy like a billboard, and people walking by, hands down, would stop and look up at them that way, like something to marvel at. This man and woman, homeless on the street, one blowing her heart through a trumpet and the other clapping a beat like he just discovered his own hands could make sound, that he could make sound. But once the sun crowned, its light warming the sky, Mr. Watt headed back to his home in Central Park, becoming a worm again, invisible. But now he knew what he was, and who she was, and most importantly, he knew in another 28 days was when, Union Square was where, and music, which turned them both into full moons that everyone could see, and turned people who didn't know they were actually worms, heads normally in the dirt, into humans, was the why. Jason again, man. This note is being written two days after Martin Luther King Day. I finished the story on Martin Luther King Day, and I wanted to record this on Martin Luther King Day, but things got crazy. I was traveling and doing some other things. But I do think that that day is really important to think about when it comes to this story and, and what we were trying to say and what you said to me about your how you felt about making sure that life was fair and that people had a fair shot and that no one should be overlooked. I think Dr. King, that was sort of his main premise. And so I wanted to tie all of that into the story. I think going forward as you read it and what you take from it and what you do with it, you know, I mean, you could do anything. I think you have a heart for it. You, you understand what it's about and you'll know sort of what, what I was trying to say because it's what you told me, but also you'll know how to push it forward just in terms of maybe figuring out how do we connect these two people again or how do we make it so that these two people can connect with uh, the rest of the world? How do we make it so that everybody's voice is heard, right? Isn't that sort of what our goal is? We can use music, but we shouldn't have to. Everybody's voice should be heard simply because they're human beings, and that alone uh, makes their voices necessary. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what you do with his story and also far beyond this story, man. Talk soon. Peace. Hey, Jason. Thank you for the story that was sent to me. I feel really proud of my story idea and really putting more meaning on a basic story idea. My favorite part was the intro because it shares the deep meaning and like purpose of a moon at night. If I were to continue this story, I would say that Miss Who would claim what as her own, 
and they would live happily ever after. But in order for them to communicate if they're going to live together, Miss Who teaches what sign language and when they talk to people in the real world, people can understand what the worm is saying so that the order could be executed. Once again, thank you, Jason and Story Seats, for having me and being part of this episode. Stay safe. My dear listeners, that's our season. It's been a real pleasure seeing all the creativity and pure imagination that's inside each and every one of you. I hope this episode has inspired you to take what you have around you and tell your own story, whether it's through writing, making music, or anything else. If you haven't heard all our episodes yet, make sure you check out the rest of our feed. We've grown all kinds of story seeds in season one, from superheroes to giant detectives to chili pepper loving foxes. We also visited and were inspired by some really awesome places this season, like the Children's Museum of the Arts and Pippin Vintage, the antique store in Chelsea, New York City. So scroll back and listen to them all. Stay in touch with us this summer and send us your story seeds. We're still taking submissions for season two and we'd love to hear your ideas. You can email us at storyseeds at literarysafari.com or call our hotline at 646-389-5153 for a chance to be on the show. Also, log on to our website at www.storyseedspodcast.com. While you're there, you can join the Story Seed Society, our club for creative rock stars like you. And you can also check out our Imagination Lab activity zines. We're going to be adding new ones throughout the summer, so there's an issue to go along with every episode of the show. Our zines are filled with writing prompts, cool articles, and hands-on projects. Final thing, we'd be really grateful if you left us a review or a gold star rating after you're done listening to this episode. It takes a minute, but it hugely helps us to get discovered by more families and will do wonders in helping us create a second season of this show and grow more of your story seeds. Story Seeds is a literary safari production. Thank you to the Brooklyn Public Library for hosting this session of the Story Seeds podcast. Our executive producer and creator is Sandhya Nankani. This episode was produced by her, Anjali Sakrani, and Kayla Fedison. Scoring, mixing, and sound design is by Anya Jeshik and Matt Boynton of Ultraviolet Audio. The music you heard at the start of Earthen and Jason's conversation was composed by Earthen himself. Our theme music is composed and performed by Andrew Van Weingarten. Field audio was recorded by James Boo. And I am your host, Betsy Bird. Until we meet again, keep growing that imagination. On Story Seeds You're in control of your destiny Adventures you design Where your dreams can grow A little more each time On Story Seeds Because I've never heard like a worm talk But if I did, it would sound like this Wham, wham, wham. Wow, wow, wow.